Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improviser from New York, but nobody gives a fuck about that right now because we've gone without her for so long. She's back. You know her. You love her. You cannot fucking live without her. Chelsea Bennington is back on the podcast. Hello, Chelsea. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, America and other countries. All bases covered right there. <laughs> you were missed. I missed you and I missed um, talking about stupid shit on a mic. I was instead talking about stupid shit to a therapist, which I still do, but <laughs> that's that that's essential. Um, do you want to fill folks in on uh, why there was a, a podcast hiatus and then you went on longer and I, I jumped yeah. back in the pool and improvised. Yeah, yeah, happy to. And I'm I, I need to start it with saying I'm very very grateful and I'm not being forced to say this by any means um but I'm very grateful that Rick is one of my best friends and was very understanding about the place that I was in I was understanding about the place he was in and he really needed this creative outlet which you know has done so much for us and is especially in the times where Rick and I couldn't see each other at all um this was like such a great way of like regularly hanging out and still is but um yeah, it, it started, I guess, in the beginning of the summer when I had some things going on, like I had a, a vacation planned um, and I was moving in the same month and that was really stressful. Finding a place in New York has become an absolute hell again. I think in the beginning and middle of the pandemic, everybody was getting what they called those pandemic deals of... Um, you know, getting a cheap, cheaper apartment. That's really nice, but those times are over. It's not a renter's market anymore. Uh, so that was really stressful. And then, um, my work-life balance was getting, was getting really bad. And mentally I was just like, I was turning everything into work. Like all of my hobbies were becoming work. And I just felt like I wasn't getting my own space and my own, um, yeah, I just wasn't taking care of myself and I could tell I wasn't taking care of myself. So I needed to find the things that I knew I could be like, okay, no one's going to die. It's going to be okay. Like, you know, just take a little bit of a break. It's, and it's, and Rick is going to be there for you afterwards. He'll be there for you during it. He'll be there for you afterwards. Like when you're ready, like the door will be open. So, so I took, um, you know, I moved, and I've been like taking some time, like just some, some mental space and still am. Uh, but it's been that I I'm starting to see <laughs> sound so like, uh, drastic, but it is, um, it, I'm, I'm seeing a light at the end of the tunnel of the things that were bothering me so much and really hindering me this summer. Um, I could tell things were not okay when I had multiple friends that were just like, you seem different. Like even Rick texted me at one point, just like, I'm worried you're going to break down. Like just point blank. Rick was like, how's by you? And I answered and I was like, how are you? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm just tired. I'm worried you're going to break down <laughs> just like this. Just point blank. It was something like that. And I really appreciated it. Cause I was like, no, I, I feel it. And then having other friends be like, 
I haven't heard you this like negative or defeated in a really long time. Like this is not okay. So, so yeah, just, you know, I, I appreciate, um, I've been listening to the episodes with the guest hosts and um, I hate all of them because they're all gunning for me and my job. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they were all awesome. I was cracking the fuck up. They were so funny. Um, and uh, I'm just happy that we still have our community of people who like want to come on and play with us and play with Rick. So, so yeah, I think um I, I, I think I'm going to be back on a regular basis now. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And I'm, like I said, I'm seeing a light at the end of the tunnel with, uh, oh, and there's the sirens now. New York City, <laughs> or, or in the pronunciation of uh, Laszlo Cravensworth, if you've watched recent episodes of what we do in the shadows, New York City. Yes, I love it. You're the most devious bastard. It was so good. Anyway, um, but yeah, I'm seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. That's the last time I'll say that. Um, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm still feeling a little, ugh, but I'm, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting better. And like, you know, hanging out with Rick and his, and his beautiful lady always, God, it sounds so weird for me to say. It's fine when you say it, but I make it sound <laughs> Make it sound like you have a slave in the bottom of like Rick. And uh, no, no, I, I, I just, I just respect a beautiful lady's request for anonymity. Uh, I mm-hmm. realize even just referring to her by her first name uh, doesn't allow her to be uh, necessarily Googled by people, which sometimes happens for work and things of that exactly, nature. Exactly. So yeah, I just. I just, I just, I just respect her. It's, it's kind of like, uh, I know you're, you're not a fan of the Howard Stern show, but his, his co-host Robin Quivers, uh, used to refer to her longtime boyfriend as Mr. X, because he wanted to remain, remain anonymous. I just, I'm just a little more uh, romantical in my way. I like it. Speaking of Howard Stern, did you see that? Um, and I'm sure you all missed my, my pointless pop culture bits but did you see that thing that was trending this week where 20 years ago on the howard stern show he had freddie prince jr on and freddie prince jr was he was either engaged or just married sarah michelle geller and and they were like 25 so howard stern and and um what's her face uh on the show i feel like you literally just her name yes. um yeah <laughs> sorry uh we're like y'all are only 25 you're going to be in 10 years you're going to be a completely different man and freddie said she's going to be a completely different woman that's okay um and howard stern was just kind of you know nagging him a little bit being like i want to put you know i'm i want to make a bet like in a few years they're going to come crawling back to me like this is not going to last you guys are not going to stay married and they joked like betting a million dollars well 20 you know fast forward 20 years later they're still married and Sarah Michelle Geller posted like the clip on her on her Instagram and said, "Time to pay up, Howard Stern." I, I did not see that. I thought it was funny. I don't look that at what's trending or what have you, but I do remember uh, that appearance and uh, Freddie Prinze being very shy uh, yeah. about their relationship. Uh, but you know, hey, they worked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, back to you. First things first. Chelsea liked it in me. You liked yeah, it in me. I get um, it. Second, <laughs> you know, life gets in the way 
sometimes and you know it, it, it just because we do the things that we have to in order to do the things that we want to and sometimes the thing that you need to do is fucking nothing uh and i get that and everybody's different people gotta do what's right for them but i'll look out for my friends even if it's just being blunt because um and i say this uh with peace and love sometimes i perceive you as a burn of the candles at both ends kind of bitch uh, and I say that you know, with all love and respect. No, and it happen. That that that'll burn you out. So it's like, like you, you, you know, to 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 quote Elvis in a song that he didn't write, um, or paraphrase rather. Uh, there's only 24 hours in the day. There's only so much you can do, and sometimes you got to do nothing and take a step yeah. back and make sure you're all right. And then you can you can reemerge from the ashes like a phoenix. Thank you. I think but I'm, you know, I'm glad to have you back. Thank you. And the biggest piece of advice I would give anybody who's also suffering like work-life balance issues or boundaries, you know, with especially working from home, my God, it makes things really hard because you don't know when to turn things off and your brain can't separate things. Like my life has definitely changed now that I have my own office and I'm not working from my bedroom anymore. Like I'm even doing the podcast from my bedroom because I just don't even want to like sit at my desk. Go into the office. Yeah, go into the office. But no, I would you... say set your boundaries. Set your firm boundaries. When you clock out, you clock out. When you clock in, you clock in. You don't. You are not a machine. You're a human. And I'm. I'm learning that. I'm setting boundaries. Yeah, you actually said uh, at one point, I never took this personal. It's like you didn't want to spend an additional hour in front of your laptop. Exactly. Which makes and I knew you would understand that. Now. Yeah, I knew you would understand that. Like that wouldn't be an insult by any means. Um, not at all. Not at all. As, as a set dresser, um, if any motherfucker asked me to help them move, it's like, you're my friend, but I don't want to do it. Yeah, exactly. I do, do it. Usually people are like, I'll give you pizza and beer. And it's like, no, give me like money and physical therapy because this is going to suck. I mean, I'll do it for the right amount of Pepsi, but you know, yeah. I ain't going to be having that. <laughs> but yeah, no, happy, happy to be back. And what a, what a topic you chose for me to come back to. Well, that, that, that's a beautiful segue. And I thank you for that, uh, which is cool. Um, I recently learned that molecularly speaking every cell in our body is replaced within the span of seven to ten years so much like a snake shedding our skin after about a decade or so you are quite literally a completely new person we each have a uh, sense memory of what our lives were before that but we're new and i started taking a chance and re-watching movies that i had previously hated and you know what the reaction is different so i told chelsea about this and came up with the topic which as you can see in your podcast feed hated revisited let's re-watch some movies that we hated years ago and see if we felt differently and i'm going to go backwards uh, with mine. This is the most recent one. Uh, and I want to end up with uh, the first one that I did this with, which ended up being my favorite of the three that I'm going to talk about today. And the most recent one that I watched was Apt Pupil. 
uh, and I hated this when this movie came out in 1998, but I was very excited. I loved the Stephen King story, which was a part of different seasons. And me and a bunch of people from the Tower Records that I worked at, we went to see it at the nearby theater. And we were surprised that there was a fucking questionnaire being handed out to everyone in the audience. They wanted us to answer the first half before the movie started and the second half after it ended. Now, it's been nearly 25 years since I watched this. And it's also been a long time since I've read the story. So I don't remember why I loved the story so much specifically and why I hated the movie so much. But as people were filing out, my friends were like, Rick, come on, we, we're, we're going to go get something to eat. I'm like, you guys go ahead. I got to give these motherfuckers a piece of my mind. And I'm fiercely scribbling on the questionnaire what I hated and why I hated it so much. And I remember none of that. But watching it again this time, and it could be that, you know, part of it, I'm a completely different person now. Another part of it is motherfuckers are waving swastikas on America's street and calling themselves patriots. I can't find the logic there, but I do appreciate uh, that in America, there could be serpents living right next door to you. People with sinister secrets that uh, they probably know are wrong uh, and only display it for public consumption when they're emboldened by others. Um, and, and, and it definitely seems very creepy this time around with great performances by Sir Ian McKellen and, uh, the departed Brad Renfro. And yeah, so I like that one more this time. Chelsea, have you ever watched or read at people? I heard of it, but I never watched it. And I looked it up again after you mentioned it to me. Um, your depiction of it is very much making me want to watch it. I do love Ian McKellen. Uh, no, I have not seen it. But what what really just made you not like it the first time? Um, I think you had to dive into that. If I were, and and this may be incorrect, because uh, you know I'm a long in the tooth motherfucker now who's had Rona twice. Um, I think the thing is. And people that have read the story might say, Rick, you're incorrect. But this was my interpretation of the book uh, that Brad Renfro's character, who is a young high school student, uh, his name is Todd Bowden. Um, he finds out that his, there's Ian McKellen's character, Kurt Dusender is living in the neighborhood and uh, under an assumed name, and he was a, a high-ranking Nazi, and he goes and kind of blackmails him with exposure, uh, and he wants to be told the stories. So much like in The Shining, where Jack Torrance's descent into madness is gradual and not Jack Nicholson's portrayal, in the Stanley Kubrick movie of this motherfucker was off his tits the entire time. I kind of interpreted from the story from what may be like a curiosity about uh, the Nazis because my finite brain can't wrap around 
some ideas easily. I got to really spend time with them. And uh, in a lot of cases, kind of like unfuck my mind sometimes with something that someone put someone in there without my consent growing up. Uh, so sometimes it's like, all right, I have to stare into the abyss to kind of understand it. But sometimes the abyss stares back into you. This movie made it seem like Todd was all in fucking incel before we had the term kind of thing of just a hateful little bigoted prick <laughs> uh, who just had more of a, I'll use voyeuristic for lack of a better term, view of nazis and the holocaust so maybe it's because there was no one to root for and i hadn't challenged myself with uh enough entertainment at that time of watching films about really despicable people so there's no hero to get behind it's really hard to like even for me still to watch movies or tv shows where there's absolutely no one to root for um, but on top of that, one of my favorite shows, and I was rewatching the season finale yesterday is Succession. And that's a whole show of no one to root for, <laughs> literally no one to root for. Um, but I uh, yeah, I think that's why I don't watch it, but I will say this, the check clears and mm -hmm. the crew will look out for each other. So I'll, I'll gladly work on Succession anytime. It's yeah. nice to know a show about garbage people has great people working for it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, now, regarding app pupil, uh, there's a scene with a cat that I don't think you're going to enjoy in any way, shape, or form. Oh, no. And that's and why the cat is the cat is kind of ginger. Yeah, that didn't help, but I knew about it from the book. The cat is kind of ginger. Oh, no. I feel like I watched something recently where the cat didn't make it, and I was not happy. I don't remember what it was. Um... It's always the orange cats too like dear god y'all pick a different cat mm, uh, we that's why we love our targeted tongues now uh, i also go to chelsea uh for uh rather than google for who is a garbage person so i didn't feel like looking it up because i figured chelsea you tell me why is brian singer a garbage person oh ooh, his is bad i think um it was something about like he molested uh, little boys or wanted to or had like there was something with pedophilia involved. I'm pretty sure. Something with pedophilia, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, he and I think he was just also like, um, I mean, this is not nearly as bad as what I just said, but I think he's like known for being being incredibly unprofessional on sets. I, I think um people have had to step in for him and stuff like that. Uh, that's that's what I remember hearing. Because I think, wasn't there one movie he was directing and either Joss Whedon or somebody had to take over? That was Zack Snyder. And that, that was, was Zack Snyder. That was for a way different reason. Zack Snyder had a reason to step away. Yes, I believe um, his daughter committed suicide, I think. Yeah, it was very sad. So yeah. no, 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 uh, I do not want to confuse Zack Snyder and Brian Singer by any means. Um, but I think Brian Singer like either quit a production or was just, I mean, it, and I know he directed, didn't he direct Superman Returns and everybody hates that movie? Oh, I think he did. I liked that movie. Mm -hmm. I thought it was fine, except for the part where like 
uh, Lois Lane ended up having Superman's child. I mean, even though that that is a thing in the comic books now, um, there is I do have the yes, he did do Superman Returns. I do have the nerdy banky Edwards aspects of myself coming from mall rats. Like the only way he can bang regular chicks is with a kryptonite condom, but that would kill him. Okay, so yeah, yeah, boys, we're we're dumb when it comes to such things. <laughs> yeah, so he has multiple lawsuits and allegations of sexual assault with minors so i was not wrong so even though i'm going to say allegedly for legal reasons um no, so ale sure. allegedly fuck brian signer directly into the sun may yeah. brandon ralph who has a lovely smile toss him directly into the sun and then the rest of us can go on with our day um even though i still love the usual suspects i moving on I love Brandon Ralph. Saw him at a Comic Con. Saw his smile from across the room. It really, it could block out the sun. It feels like home. Uh, so, Chelsea, what movie did you hate that you revisited that you want to enlighten me about? Yeah, so I picked two, and they're semi recent movies um they're not something that came out you know 20 years ago or anything like that because this was a hard one for me because when I'm right I'm right so mm -hmm. there were a lot of movies that I was like no I feel like I'm still gonna hate it <laughs> it was just it was really really hard to pick things um but I'm glad that you did anyway. Yeah, no, I I I, I dug deep, um, and they're very random. Well, one of them you, you may have expected. One of them it's like incredibly random, um, but it has to do with your girlfriend. So that's, mm. that'll be the second one I talk about. But the first one was something. It was a series that you got me into. I really enjoyed the first three, but I just could not enjoy Victor Crowley. Okay. I, I didn't like I remember telling you I didn't like it from the start I didn't from the beginning it just you know and okay let me add some context for everybody so Victor Crowley is the fourth installment of the Hatchet series um and the the enemy geez the villain he's called uh Victor Crowley and he's like this ghost in the Louisiana Bayou who kills people in the most creative and disgusting ways um yeah ain't it's it cool fun, yeah it's a fun series it's just slasher it's like kill after kill really ridiculous danielle harris is great in it when she's you know introduced in the second one mm -hmm. um, as a recast uh you got legends like tony todd in it and it's just it's fun and the fourth one is set 10 years after the events of the first three because the first three happened very uh close together um, I mean, what, in a matter of days? Like, I think uh, they were, like, back and forth. Um, but this takes place 10 years after. And um, they it's a film crew. And then it's also a survivor from the third movie who wrote an autobiography about surviving the attacks from the third movie. Yes. And Pari Shen plays Andrew. Yes. The last of identical triplet, triplets. Yes. I know I that, that was because he's, he's played the other two in the previous 
installments, and the third one is the only one he survived. Um, and he's writing an autobiography, and a film crew is following him around. Uh, his agent, played by the wonderful Felissa Rose, is trying to get all kinds of deals for him, and they're not working. Their plane crashes. Uh, and there's another film crew trying to capture the story. And basically a YouTube video with the recitation of the spell that will resurrect Victor Crowley. The YouTube video features Tony Todd, and that's what brings him back and starts it all over again. Exactly. Beautiful summary. Better than I was doing. I was just like, this happens and this happens. Um, there are some elements I enjoy. I enjoy that the, you know, and guys, it's going to be filled with spoilers because who cares? Um, but I like that the film crew that was wanting to, you know, make a movie about it was kind of wiped out pretty quickly because mm -hmm. um, you think the story is going to be focused on them and then they're gone. Uh, so I enjoyed that. Um, I appreciated like the comedy he was trying to bring into it um, but just most of it just doesn't land for me it's another one where the kills I mean I I just always get bothered and it could be because I'm a woman um, I just always get bothered by the death where he rips the woman's arm off and then like shoves it up inside her and it comes out like of her mouth with like her with, phone. with the phone, yes. Uh, that that's Tiffany Shepis, the agent who's always on her goddamn phone. Yeah, and I know that was like probably trying to be tongue in cheek of like you know shove your phone up your ass or you know just trying to. I just... I, I interpreted it as like cartoonish in its violence. And I remember reading one thing I read this morning is a lot of people said that it felt so comical it didn't bother them so <laughs> it could really just be me I'm not saying oh my god ban this movie this was absolutely you know atrocious but there's just something about it that does not sit right with me and it just feels really aggressive um to do to a woman uh because I think if you're going to choose to do something like that and make it comical you do have to think of how it could be seen because of the world we live in, unfortunately. And the movie was made in like, what, 2017? So it's not like it was that long ago. You can't really use the excuse. Um, yes, it came out in so, 2017. Yeah, so it was probably filmed a little bit, well, definitely filmed before that. So, um, but it's just something that, uh, I don't know, I can't get past it every time it happens. Um, I do enjoy, uh, the line um, at the end, I, I just had it up. The character, um, what's his name? Uh, Dylan, when, because uh, at first he's like so gross and you don't care about him. And then he becomes this weird hero. And then he's like, I would have had your babies and then dies. <laughs> was, mm -hmm. Like, that's funny. So I will say maybe there were parts of the movie this time that I found more effective or funnier but I still was like, God, I would just watch all three. I would marathon all three. And then the after credit scene of four, like that of Victor Crowley. Like that's just, my mind didn't really change. I want to say that I did go into it with an open mind. I could have already been thinking about, well, I know what I didn't like about this movie. So it was already in my head. Um, but I mean, 
you know, I can tell he made it out of love. I read in the trivia about, you know, he, he uh, dedicated it to Wes Craven and George A. Romero, who, you know, passed away around that time. So I can tell he really loves making these movies, Adam Green. And mm-hmm. I, I would love for him to make a Hatchet 5. I think that would be fun. So I will say it changed my mind a little bit where I'm like, you know, I still... I still want him to keep going because when I first watched it, when I first borrowed like the DVD from you or when I, you know, first uh, watched it, when you introduced me to the series, I was like, you can stop now. (laughs) That was my reaction after watching it. Even with the after credits scene, I was like, I don't need another one. This one was just too stupid and too, too much. I just didn't like it. Um, but now I'm like, you know what? No, you love making these. It's one scene that's really bothering me and, you know, keep, keep going. So that was, that was what I watched. I I can't remember where you rate Victor Crowley in the four movies. Um, I chalk it up to, um, being a kid from the eighties where sequels were just, pretty much normal classic movies like the slashers that i love and talked about numerous times they had sequels shitty movies like puppet master and children of the corn well children, the original is a great one but things were getting straight to video sequels out the ass that nobody fucking asked for so to get that advice from uh Romero and Craven like do another one for the fans which isn't easy because Adam Green isn't getting uh big studio budgets uh the way Wes Craven would uh because you know Freddie built New Line Cinema but just to do it that way I was happy for it to go back fulfill all the things I was expecting Mm. in a way that a Friday the 13th movie would where it's like Am I going to see some breasts or, and also in this case, an equal opportunity, some cock and balls, uh, some gore, have some laughs? Uh, are these characters that, you know, I'm, I'm not really in it to like them, so they're going to get ground up and spit out pretty fucking quick in hopefully creative ways? That's what I'm there for. But the, the post credit scene of seeing Danielle Harris again and it's like, oh, we need part five. And I do believe that we need part five. We need another one. Because much like Halloween or Friday the 13th before this, there's some clunkers in the in that series. Uh, not every Hellraiser is great. Um, but make another one. I'll show up. I'll visit my friend. And if, it, if I don't like it, if it's not to my taste, I'll talk about it. But maybe I'll revisit it in 20 years and feel different. That's kind of the point that we're into Uh but yeah no that's a very good point a very good point and I think yeah I really like Adam Green I think he's so cool like he just seems like such a fanboy but in the Mm -hmm. most untoxic way possible like he has such a genuine love for horror and for movies and for what he does that if I saw that scene with the arm you know going up the woman with anybody if I didn't know Adam Green the way I feel like it sounds so creepy the way I feel like I know him or what I've learned about him I if would you stop. didn't know Adam Green as much as you know Batman 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, then I would have been like, God, this dude hates women because of just the violence against women in that movie. But I know, I know it wasn't done in that, you know, malicious, intentional, misogynistic way. I just feel like, I just feel like you have to think a little bit when you decide to uh, murder a woman in that way. You just got to think about it. That's all, mm-hmm. that's all I'm going to say. You just got to think about it. Think about how this approach may come off. It is, it is done in a very comical way. Like nothing about it is like gritty or serious, but, and you, you just got to think about it is really all I could say. Now I'm just going to say, because I love you, the fact that you have a problem with all this arm being ripped off and uh, thrust completely through her most intimate of areas and so that her hand comes out her mouth. Yet you say nothing about the chainsaw to the nutsack in Hatcher 2 that happens to two men. I'm going to say you have a bit of a sexist double standard, uh, Chelsea, uh, my dear, dear friend. Um, no, because y'all deserve that. It's like, whatever. No, I'm not going to deny that by any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying. What's good for the cock and balls is good for the minge as far as fictional violence is concerned. I'm, you know, no, you actually do, joking or not, you bring up a good point. And that's another reason I can't be, like, really mad at it. Like, I'm bothered, but no, no. Not, like, you know, it's hard, it's hard to explain. I do get it because of the gendered ignorance. I have had women that have asked, like, does getting hit in the nuts really hurt that much? I'm like, yeah, it does, but I bet it pales in comparison to menstrual cramps. Let's just be happy neither one of us know. Yeah, right. Another goes through, but let's appreciate it. But also, like, again, I, maybe I'm just wired differently. When I see somebody else get hit in the yam bag, it doesn't bother me because it's not my yam bag. I, do, I think perhaps you project uh, uh, your lady bits onto the lady bits of, of other characters, mm-hmm. whereas I do not project my yam bag upon anyone else other than I do, I do have a big problem with projecting my lady bits right. that yeah that happens a lot no mm. <laughs> I just love that phrasing um no I I think you bring up a good point because uh the violent like <laughs> the way some of the men die in that series is pretty gnarly yeah. um I did read that Victor Crowley, and this is on the trivia page on IMDb where, you know, anybody can add anything, um, that more, this is the only uh, hatchet movie where more women die than men. And that doesn't bother me. Like, I, like that, I, I, I don't care. The cast was mostly women. So, of course, like, you know, mostly women died. It was just mm-hmm. that one. But I think, no, I think you bring up a good point. Um, and thank you for doing that. I try. I try. Uh, so now let's move on to the second film that I watched uh, that I hated the first time. Um, and this is going to probably be unpopular with some people because this filmmaker is held in a lot of reverence by a lot of people, especially from my generation. And I like some of his films, but I have always said and will continue to say Tim Burton with the exception of uh, Beetlejuice and his animated films, just takes other people's shit and makes it weirder. So I watched... Louder for the people in the back. So true. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, he, he takes other people's properties, makes them fucking weird. And that's cool. And so I revisited Sleepy Hollow. Didn't like it in 99. And I'm like, all right, I'm doing this experiment. That's a movie I haven't watched since I saw it in theater. Same with that pupil. And same with the last movie I'm going to talk about. Uh, so it's been so long. Let's go into it. Now, I enjoyed it more this time, but I maintain my opinions uh, from the first viewing. Um, I enjoyed it because the, the set design, Tim Burton's always got that. He's always got that look. That you, it's different in most of his films, pretty much. I haven't seen a lot of his more recent work because it's seemingly a little more family friendly than my taste is. But you can see a Tim Burton movie and go, oh, there's a motherfucking Tim Burton movie. Be it Batman, be it Beetlejuice, be it Edward, whatever it is. Be like, you know, the big fish. You know you're seeing Tim Burton when you look at it. So his casting is fantastic. A lot of great character actors like Michael Gambon and Richard Griffiths and fucking Alan Armstrong. And I love seeing Christopher Lee even for just a little bit. That's great. I have a new appreciation for Christina Ricci after Yellow Jackets. I mean, I was always pretty much a fan, but now, like, the, the lady's grown in her talents, and I recognize that. Uh, but my first opinion, and I know this is going to set Chelsea off, and we're going to give her the time to speak her mind about this individual, rightly so. Especially at that time, I did not see Johnny Depp as Ichabod Crane. In my mind, he was too pretty. He's a good actor, may not always be a good person, frequently not a good person, uh, especially in light of recent uh, history. But at the time, I thought like a Frank Whaley would have played a bit of Ichabod Crane, or if you're going to remake it now, someone like a Skylar Gisando from The Righteous Gemstones and Santa Clarita Diet. He seems like he could play a believable kind of squeamish like you're prone to fainting i don't i don't see that out of johnny Depp. uh and my other opinion about sleepy hollow as someone who loves christopher walken this movie is a fucking waste of christopher walken he's just growling as you know uh if chelsea definitely because we've improvised together every mm -hmm. time i play a psychic i'm doing walking mm -hmm. in the dead zone yes and I love that voice so much to have Christopher Walken in a movie while he does his growl. Seems like a waste to me. I realized you gave him fake teeth, so will probably impede his speech in a way that no one would like, but still. Get somebody else. So yeah, so I liked it more, but I still have those opinions uh, about the film. What did you think uh, of Sleepy Hollow? Have you ever seen it, or or do you want to weigh in on something? I have a lot to say about. Sleepy <laughs> I figured. <laughs> right. Um, I was happy you chose this one because I remembered you telling me. I don't know why we got on the topic of Sleepy Hollow like probably a couple of years ago now that you did not like it at all. You, you saw it and you hated it and you didn't even like want to rewatch or anything like that. 
And I was like, oh, I actually, I think it's one of Tim Burton's last good movies. Um, because I feel like in the aughts and now he's, uh, God, he's gotten so, so boring. And so, um, I just don't see any like soul in his, in his work anymore. I really Mm -hmm. liked, uh, the Eva Green movie he did, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, but that was also a book series. So that was something else Tim Burton took and just made weirder. Um, I feel like, you know, him and Johnny Depp doing like movie after movie after movie was just bad for both of them. Honestly, I felt like they were both like kind of holding each other back in a way. Um, like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was terrible. His Alice in Wonderland movies are atrocious. Um, Dark Shadows. I was so excited about Dark Shadows. I was like, we're going to get Sleepy Hollow Tim Burton again. I loved, I watched Dark Shadows with my mom when I was a kid. And it was like the stupidest shit I've ever seen. It was just, it it was just not, it it was just weird. Um, But with Sleepy Hollow, I feel like it's very, very gothic. Very, um, the setting is beautiful the the blood and the gore is beautiful everything about it is just absolutely gorgeous i actually am really upset now that we didn't get frank whaley as ichabod i never thought about that before but i love him so much that would have been amazing because johnny depp was too pretty for ichabod like he did a good job but i completely agree with you that he's too pretty um and he did well though. He did the awkward stuff really well or like fainting, you know, and, and the, and the, you know, different, like the different things there. So he, he did kind of save it with his, uh, personification and his, you know, choices, acting choices. Christina Ricci was great. I think, um, I agree about Christopher Walken. It was funny. I watched this movie pretty young because it came out in 99 and, I was nine years old so there's that um and uh I watched it like I I must have been 11 or 12 I watched it so young and I remember thinking Christopher Walken was so scary I never put two and two together that he was the guy I had seen in other movies like Batman Returns and like stuff like that that I had seen around that age because he just looked so frightening in this movie like he was giving me nightmares he was so scary um so uh I agree though it's it's still pretty much a waste I love the whole third act of the movie with the reveal with Miranda Richardson but I wonder if you can tell me this because I don't know if I'm just stupid or something continues to go over my head when watching the movie but I've watched Sleepy Hollow at least like like 20 times because I loved it so much as a kid and a teenager I watched it last Halloween season. I saw it was on Netflix. I just put it on. I still don't fully understand all the family drama and everything that was going on, like with the letters and with um, who was doing what to who. Her whole like monologue, Miranda Richardson's monologue, just talking about everything. I still don't fully understand what was going on. Did you? I, I didn't look that in depth in it. I just looked at it as uh, wealthy land owning uh, people throughout America will get involved in some nefarious 
deeds in order to expand their wealth. You know, fucking tale as old as time in, in our country, tis of thee. Um, so I didn't look that in depth in to it. Again, first time I'm watching this movie since 99. I was just there like, okay, I'm digging it more. It's mm-hmm. all right. Um, you know, will I wait another 20-something years before watching it? Maybe. I might. Who knows? It's a great Danny Elfman score, too. Danny Elfman uh, has, has become a maestro uh, as mm-hmm. far as films or goes. But yeah, I guess maybe it's just me. I just remember, you know, with the letters in the beginning and then tying it to everything that was happening and family members and other people who had died. And I should have probably looked at it the way you did, where it's like, these are just wealthy people being wealthy garbage people. Like that's Mm -hmm. just what it is. But I was just like, I don't understand what the hell is going on? Like, I understand like Miranda Richardson's character of, you know, her and her sister, you know, became witches and um, she sold her soul to Satan and like, like that, all of that made sense. And bringing down, you know, the family line so that she gets everything that made sense. But all of the other like drama in between with the, with the rich families, I just never fully understood i think i read a synopsis once and i was like i still don't understand this shit like i don't maybe my brain's just refusing to comprehend it but that's the only part of like sleepy hollow where i'm like you could have just done without this because it's it's been like 20 years and i still don't understand (laughs) what what exactly is going on but i think i think all the deaths are great um i think uh let's let's hold kevin yeager and Andrew Kevin Walker responsible as the screenwriters. They they could have cleaned that up for you. I should look at what else they did and if there was something that I just didn't understand. Because I just, I don't know, when I watched it last Halloween, I was like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to pay full attention and I'm going to get it. And I, I still don't fucking get it. The world's a confusing place. What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, Kevin Yeager also did seven and brain scan i'm sorry andrew kevin walker did seven and brain scan Hmm. i've not seen uh brain scan uh kevin yeager as i'm vamping and booping along imdb trying to make it sound like i'm rattling this shit off the top of my head (laughs) but i am not uh, and and my computer is going slow as I have multiple tabs open for this podcast and let our listeners in to find the seeds of just how deep in my bullshit I am. Um, basically, he's only written Sleepy Hollow and uh, an episode of Tales from the Script. He is primarily uh, known as a makeup effects person. All right. Well, and that's why I... I, that's why I know the name of Kevin Yeager. Well, he needs to stay in his lane. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of lines, what else you got for us, Chelsea? So I got um, my cat's about to open my door. I got wait, wait two seconds. I'm not even going to edit this out. It's not going to be worth it. But Rick, tell a joke real quick. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, 
uh, I, I went to the Mahonic Drive-In this past weekend for Camp Blood, uh, and it was a beautiful, good time. This isn't so much a joke as just an anecdote about what I did this weekend. The first night featured Friday the 13th Part 3, uh, which is wonderful. And then a movie called Graduation Day, which was fucking bonkers. Uh, but it's always a great time at the Mahonic. And then Saturday night, uh, there was Children of the Corn with uh, the director and some of the cast there. And it was great to see, like, oh, look at the old men that used to be the children in this movie. Uh, and then there was Alice Sweet Alice, which is delightful and creepy and may have the best ending line in a movie in regards to uh, the killer wanting to receive the Eucharist from the priest and being denied because, you know, the walls are closing in and they know she's the killer. And then she says in her delightful old lady Italian accent, but you give it to that whore! And then she stabs the priest in the neck. Um, that's what I got. Yes, I'm back. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I came back and I was like, oh, he's telling a full-on story. He said, say a joke. Jeez. You put me on the spot. I went. <laughs> it's fine. No, it was, I love Alice, sweet Alice. I love that movie so much. So what's the next movie you want to talk about? Um, so recently I was watching, or no, I was reading, um, well, reading's not correct either. I was listening to Stephen King's Carrie. Um, I'm co like listening to it with, uh, with, uh, Rick's beautiful lady. Cause we just decided on a whim to start our own little Stephen King book club, um, I don't know why, <laughs> but we just... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll fill this in. Uh, okay. Beautiful Lady started listening to the KingCast uh, on the ah, yes. Pangoria platform. And she's tried to dip her toe into the Stephen King prose world before, because she has enjoyed many of the films. Um, but she gets very angry uh, when books are very wordy, uh, as King will be, uh, after uh, Andy Machete's It films came out she decided she was going to read them she looked at the physical copy she's like that book's too big for me to carry around so she read a digital version she's like oh words there's so many words which i love because when i read it i can smell the sewers of dairy based on king's description i don't think beautiful lady wants that she's a she's in, in the scientific field of things she wants the data not feelings but after in listening to that podcast and enjoying it, she's like, I think it's ready to, t to try again, which is kind of what we're doing with this episode with films. So, yeah, as you were saying, carry. Yes. Please carry on. So, please carry on. Ah. Ah. Anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just finished it. Um, I read it when I was in high school and I just thought, all right, I'll, I'll read it. Um, I'll read it again. Uh, and I've been listening to it on Audible and I, like I said, I just finished it. Um, I'm a little ahead. It's not a race. Um, but I've seen, I, I watched the, uh, Sissy Spacek Carrie. Um, mm -hmm. and I like that movie and I watched it last week after I finished the book and I saw it was on Shudder. So I'm going to watch the movie. I want to do a really quick comparison while it's fresh in my brain. 
and I watched it and then I was like oh my god I just remembered that stupid movie from 2013 the Carrie remake with Chloe Grace Moritz and Julianne Moore and I was like I remember not liking that movie at all I remember thinking it was like the most pointless remake um it just wasn't fun I did not like this at all and I was looking at the trivia for it and I saw that there were pieces of you know the the novel that it was a little bit more true to and that it did end up getting billed as a remake of the movie because um the director I for, I forgot her name I can pull it up in a second um Kimberly Pierce why do I have to pull it up when I have Rick Guzman next to me um but thank you <laughs> I appreciate it um Kimberly Pierce I remember reading uh that like 40 minutes was uh, cut out and a lot of scenes from the novel were cut out and edited out. And even to the point when this movie came out, it was trending to release her cut. So very similar to like release the Zack Snyder cut. So I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. But nowhere near as toxic uh, or robot driven as release the Snyder cut. Exactly. So I was really curious. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna watch this again, because it's on Amazon, and it fits what Rick and I are doing. And I'm just, you know, sometimes when I take in a piece of content, like a book or a movie, I will dissect it so much. I ended up doing that with Halloween Kills. I watched it like three times in one weekend, because I was just dissecting like certain scenes. So with Carrie, I was like, I want to dissect like all the remakes. And, uh, but I just remember really not liking this one. I don't remember why I didn't like it other than thinking it was pointless. And I think I was at a point in my life where reading that Stephen King thought that there didn't need to be another movie. Like I just adapted into that mindset of like, yeah, there doesn't need to be another movie. Um, But I watched it uh, last weekend and I liked it. Like, I was very, I was, I liked it. Like, it was just weird. I, I thought Chloe Grace Moritz was, you know, compared to Sissy Spacek, I think Sissy Spacek is beautiful, but I can see her being picked on. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Chloe Grace Moritz is really pretty. So there was a part of me that it reminded me of Freaky. I was like, why is this beautiful blonde girl not like popular? <laughs> so, um, but she did a great job acting. I love that they cast an actual teenager. Like I think Chloe was only 15 when making it. Um, I thought Judy Greer was fun as the, as the gym teacher. Um, I liked this. I liked the addition of her knowing and learning about her powers as the movie went on. Rick, I don't know, have you ever seen it? Yeah, yeah, I watched it for the first time uh, not that long ago. Oh, nice, Um, okay. And and, and I agree with your assessment in that Chloe Grace Moretz, fantastic uh, actor, as in Julianne Moore, Mm -hmm. but uh, the problem and, and maybe this is Pierce's uh, issue uh, as a filmmaker going for the best uh, performance. Um, there, there is a difference between these people who are physically uh, appealing as opposed to Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie uh, at, at a time when mocking someone for their physical appearance made more sense back then. It was far more common. Mm-hmm. back then uh you know 
some people are not pleasant to look at. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they need ridicule. It just means I don't want to look at them. Um, and especially in high school, it, it, teenagers, at least as far as I recall them, I don't know what they're like now. Because uh, I'm 46 and I don't hang around people that young. What the fuck are we going to talk about? Um, they probably find a reason to tear somebody apart still. Um, I like to think maybe young people have evolved beyond that, but I'm not doing the research to find out. Um, so I like it. I think the only reason to remake uh, something like Carrie is to do it from a lady's perspective, to have a female filmmaker tell that story in a way that Brian De Palma with his Y chromosome couldn't do it. But it's always a danger when you're going to remake something that's a classic, that's pretty beloved, uh, like De Palma's Carrie. Uh, you're, you're automatically at a, at a disadvantage. Um, but yeah, I, I watched it. I dug it. I dug Judy Greer. In a way, it does seem like a timeless story to me. Uh, and also growing up as a fan of comic books uh, and loving the X-Men uh, when I was younger. Like that, That's what Carrie was to me. She's trying to find out her powers and, and what she can do and why she can do it and not having the answer because she doesn't have a community like the X-Men to take her in to accept her to show her that she's not a freak. Um, and, and we'll definitely talk about um, De Palma's version a lot more uh, in a later episode with a later topic that and we're not going to get into now because I've mentioned I want to do this uh, topic with Chelsea. Um, but yeah, the, the religious zealotry will fuck you up and I love uh, Julianne more definitely portrayed that uh, but not necessarily in the same fearsome way as Piper Laurie did whereas Julianne Moore like, I can look at her and go uh, come on let's, let's, let's get a cup of coffee and let's talk it out Piper Laurie I would just throw my wallet at and run away from uh, it, as far as both of those characters mm -hmm. or both portrayals of those characters rather no that's a that's a good point I agree I mean Piper Laurie you can't really beat like that performance either um yeah I agree with you like having you know the perspective of a woman filmmaker definitely I think made a little bit of a difference I will say kids at least when I was in high school in I remember in like 2007, 2008, I was in a drama class and I was still getting through like my shyness because I was at a brand new high school. I, I transferred high schools in the middle of my freshman year and I knew nobody. Mm -hmm. and I was like just super shy and my face would get red really easily because I was like nervous to be on to be up in front of the class um doing a monologue or something which I'm so the opposite of now <laughs> I'm, I'm so like I love performing but I was just really shy I was like a 14 15 year old girl and there were a couple a couple of girls who made fun of me um because of how red my face would get like that's what they would like people will always find something to make fun of even if you're not like the cliche like not you know 
physically appealing or anything like that. Like they always like find that one thing. So I'm sure I, I hate to think this, but I'm sure things haven't changed too much um, with how people are in high school, but who knows? But I think, um, I think the one thing I would have loved for this movie to have done is have the original ending in the book. Um, but I understand Stephen King said he liked the movies ending, the seventies movies ending better than his mm -hmm. book ending, which is so funny. Cause I, I love the book ending more. Um, uh, it's been a while since I've read it. Remind me how the book ends, please. So after like she kills her mother and everything, um, Sue like finds her on the street or on the curb or something. And she's like bleeding and dying and calling for her mom. And there's just something about that I found so heartbreaking. And I just, I, I understand the symbolism of like dying with, you know, her mother in the house, like crumbling, but I just feel like there's something you're reminded, like when I was reading it, I was reminded she's a teenage girl. Like, yes, all of this terrible stuff just happened. She just like blew up the entire town, essentially, like gas station after gas station and the, and the gymnasium and like things like that. But like, she was a teenage girl crying for her mom. Like there was just something about that that I found utterly heartbreaking. And I would have loved to see that on screen. Um, the last thing or the two last things I'll add that I liked about this movie that I just didn't think about the first time I watched it because I went in with a like Ugh, Stephen King said it's pointless so why should I even watch it um, uh, mindset when now I'm like am I really gonna take that seriously somebody who writes coffee colored nipples in a book no um, but anyway uh, I like sometimes nipples are coffee colored like ground coffee no i i interpreted that to me you know, like the shade when you get all the milk and sugar and sweetness in there and it's it's delicious and i'm gonna go off on a tangent that's gonna be called gross so i'm gonna stop here then say latte colored or something coffee colored i'm picturing ground coffee it stuck with me. I had to stop walking. <laughs> I was like, what did she just say? <laughs> anyway, we'll that'll, be, that'll be an off mic talk. Um, so, <laughs> but the two and, Unless our <laughs> listeners reach out, they want to hear nipple chat with yeah. Chelsea and Rick and we'll do a bonus. <laughs> that's the, that's the after dark <laughs> editions. Spooky doings after dark. It's nipple chat. It's nipple chat with Rick and Chelsea. Um, <laughs> and so uh, the two things I really liked. One, I liked that she acknowledged Tommy's death. I liked that she, you know, like that was the last straw for her. Like this person who was so kind to her. I liked that she acknowledged it. And two, I felt like um, because she was learning about her powers throughout the movie, uh and like practicing and stuff like that it made the massacre feel even more malicious in a way it's like she just she hell like hella knew what she was doing like mm -hmm. i'm not saying she didn't in like the others but there was just something there was a different spark in chloe uh grace moritz's eye that i was like this girl has gone full rampage. Like I just felt it with her. And that's why I think the contrast of her like dying on the street would have been so good. Cause then you would have been brought back to 
this was a girl that was picked on and done like you know they did terrible things to her um I just feel like that would have been a really interesting contrast but I get it you know you went with you went with what Stephen King liked and what everybody uh everybody's familiar with but those are those were the two things I was like this really sticks out for me in this one and she uh she um saved well didn't save I guess spared is the right word the gym teacher Judy Greer mm-hmm. I always forget her name and I I liked that little bit too um yeah because because in the Palmas version everybody gets got good yeah. bad or indifferent um but in the novel I do remember that part that's a little different the, mm-hmm. that gym teacher gets spared so yeah that, that that's that's a good one and yeah. so now we're gonna wrap this up with uh what timeline lines in the real world got me kicked off on this one. There's a movie from 1994 from someone who's called a horror master uh, that I didn't like hmm. the first time. And I don't remember why, because it's nearly 30 years. Maybe I was used to this director's other kind of films that were a little more straightforward. You watch the thing you watch big trouble little china you watch halloween you know what you're getting and this one was a little bit ambiguous and not sexy so i didn't really like in the mouth of madness the first time but when you watch it nearly 30 years later holy shit this movie what was ahead of its time as far as Beautiful mind fuckery was involved. Uh, Sam Neill is this guy trying to track down uh, a writer named Sutter Kane, played by Jurgen Prashnow. Uh, and shit's going real. His book is driving people crazy. It's opening a portal in this, like, could. Lovecraftian type of realm and letting evil come in to this fictional town that he's writing about and now appreciating Carpenter's musical scores even more than I did back then. It's like, oh, it's like jazz when I bought my first Miles Davis album kind of around the same time as uh, this movie came out. It's like, all right, let me put this on. I'm not ready yet, but one day I'm going to be. And I knew that with Miles Davis. I did not know that within the mouth of madness. And now I'm like, oh, I love this movie. This is fucking great. And it makes me wonder if I should revisit. Like, that's what kicked this off. Should I revisit other movies that I disliked? And I specifically thought of uh, Carpenter's last directorial feature the ward starring amber heard that i hated and i've been saying for years i'm like i don't think he should go out on that if that's the last film he directed but maybe i'm wrong maybe it's time uh maybe i'll get lucky in october and somebody will put the ward available for streaming and i'll watch that again and hopefully feel different than i did the first time have you ever seen in the mouth of madness just i have um it's I love Sam Neill. I had like a, I had a little bit of a Sam Neill phase. I was so obsessed with him in Jurassic Park. <laughs> so Better him than Jeff Goldblum, in my opinion. I mean, uh, I've, I've yeah. talked about this before. A lot of, 
women younger than me find Jeff Goldblum sexy, and I'm going to guess it's because they've never seen the movie Earth Girls Are Easy. I know, because that's, that's so cringe. But no, I love In the Mouth of Madness. I haven't watched it in a while, so I want to watch it again now. I didn't realize that you didn't like it. Um, I was just looking at it, and it is the same writer who did Freddy's Dead Final Nightmare, which was a choice of a movie. Um, uh, Michael DeLuca, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he made some choices in that one. But yeah, he, he certainly, certainly made choices. Um but I really liked In the Mouth of Madness. I watched it, uh, I think I watched it in college. Yeah, me and my roommate at the time, we were like binging a bunch of um, horror movies and we rented it. And um, I would need to watch it again though to, to remember some specifics. I just remember thinking Samuel's crazy. Um, is it streaming? It was on Shutter. That's where I watched. Ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. I'm uh, gonna keep an eye out for it. Presently, it's available to rent from Amazon, but there might, but but it's it's very reasonably priced, and there are more options out there in the world. Um, if I can find a reasonably priced DVD, because I still believe uh, in the importance of physical media, I'll probably pick it up if I come across it. Hopefully, one of the great reissue companies that are out there, uh, shameless plug, but a, a great shout out to companies like Arrow that yeah. release uh, genre films with, uh, yeah, I'm just going to come out and say it, better cover artwork than the original movie posters. Uh, if they were to do, or if one of their contemporaries were to do, uh, a re-release of In the Mouth of Madness, I would scoop that shit up in a heartbeat. Oh, nice. You never know. You um, never, never know. So that's the movie that started this for you. Interesting. And you said you would um, revisit The Ward. I remember liking The Ward, but I want to watch that again. I, I saw it like the year it came out. Yeah, I, I think I did too. Definitely at home. I didn't go to the theaters. Oh, yeah, same. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would, I'd like to revisit it because I think that's a good lesson for people. You know, I remember growing up and you know, being a fussy eater, which is a euphemism for pain in the ass, uh, and, and being told like, ah, you might like it now, taste change. And in actuality, they do. So to any of our listeners, you know, go back, watch something you hated. Hopefully you're a different person by now. But there is the flip side to that point where you go back and you watch something you love and it doesn't hold up. And I feel that's a lot more common. Uh, but also, I don't trust a motherfucker that holds a movie that they love as a child with the same reverence uh, that they do as an adult. Like, I can I can get that you like it. And uh, Freddy's Dead is a great example of this. Um, loved it when it came out. Thought it was a great alleged ending to the franchise. But I'll look at it now and go, no, Freddy's a full-on Warner Brothers cartoon by the time you get to that volume. And so, it is silly, um, but I'm still entertained by it. I will not fight someone over my opinion of Freddy's Dead in 2022. Can you imagine that was, like, that was your thing? And it's like, never bring up Freddy's Dead to Rick. Just never do <laughs> it. No, because I, I know motherfuckers who are grown-ass adults with, like, 
bills and credit cards and shit like that that will fight a person for because of their love of the Goonies. And I'm like, no, that's not necessary to do that. I, I don't need to watch that now. Are you getting royalties? Like, who cares? Yeah. Or, or, or the, uh, Phil Nobile did a great uh, column for the Fangoria newsletter about people. Uh, he was talking about Prey, the latest Predator, which was great, about people that never want their fandom to change. And yeah. it's like, oh, that, that says a lot more to, about you than it does uh, as societally. Just because you're stagnant, don't project that shit on the rest of us. I mean, like, you know, if you still enjoy a movie that you loved as a child, you know, great, cool, whatever. Um, if, and, the, and I always bring up the worst fandom, and I'll say it, and I know uh, people revere this franchise, but, you know, the Star War has some of the most toxic fans I mean, fucking out there. They're men of my- people off of social media. It's really gross. Yeah. The, 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 they, and these are men of my fucking generation uh, going to digital war over a children's film where a character has consensual sex with his sister. These battles are not necessary. I think we're about to get an explosion of the same thing with um, what I've noticed and I've been talking about it with one of our mutual friends is uh the Lord of the Rings fandom. They mm -hmm. there are people in that fandom that are so angry that there's like a black woman dwarf and that there's like black elves and like women dwarves in general, even though in Tolkien series there are women dwarves. Like, but everybody's angry about everybody's been so racist and crazy about the diversity that Amazon had to put a 72 hour hold on all reviews so that they can like review them because uh, people are so upset about diversity in Middle Earth. And I'm like, you mean with hobbits and dwarves and elves and made up shit? Like who cares? Yeah. These, these are fictional fucking characters. You've got two choices. Take part in the art mm -hmm. or don't take part in the art. I will read the fucking shit out of a trans Superman. I would love that shit. But Superman right now isn't interesting to me. Yeah. But, I, but switch it up and make it interesting. I'll give it a whirl. Um, but yeah, we're, we, we, we went off topic. But, you know, we'll always get on, on our soapbox because Spooky Doings is a place for everybody. And the only thing we don't tolerate is intolerance. Mm, you said it. You said it. <laughs> so as we bring this in for a landing, Chelsea, I'm so glad you're back. Thank you. Uh, I, I look forward to more conversations with you. There are topics that we covered with the guest hosts who are not gunning for you and, and, and would never permit You're my you. enemies. Nope, nope. You love them. You no. love them. Ro, John, who else? Who else am I going to get? Ari. Who? Ari, you, you've not spoken with her. She, you were not on either of the episodes that she was on. She is yeah. my enemy. <laughs> okay, if they are your enemy, let me reassure you. They are not a threat to your spooky doings supremacy. Uh, you, you, I, I frequently say I'm a lucky motherfucker to have a creative partner 
like Chelsea Bennington. Because uh, while she liked it in me, I liked it in her too. Oh, ditto. Uh, ditto, my and, man. And it, it's, it's wonderful to talk about it. Talk with you again. I got topics that I was saving that I'm like, these are guest hosts and we're going to show them respect and, and have a great conversation with them. So it's like, I'm going to keep this over here in Chelsea Grove for when Chelsea comes back home. Uh, and we're going to have some more of those for you in the future. Other movies that we want to talk about and get into, maybe a couple of improvised reviews. So in the meantime, Chelsea, where can the people find you if they want to find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram and on Twitter under Chelsea Bennington. Um, yeah, I'm there. Not not posting too much, but but I'm there. Nine days. You're, you're a busy lady and life gets in the way. You're doing busy lady things. Busy lady things. Where can people find you? You can check out Spooky Doings on Instagram. Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook. We haven't posted it yet. I've only been talking about it on mic because we can um and even though i'm not supposed to i'm gonna do it we got a show sunday september 30th at the magnet theater uh day before halloween you just said september 30th october 30th i messed that up october 30th day before halloween nine o'clock uh we are kind of like the misfits of improv it's that we're only performing around halloween and you know what i'll take it until we find a new venue Finally. so uh Tell your friends. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I always forget to say this at the end of our podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, follow, uh, whatever you got to do on whatever platform uh, that you listen to us on because it helps us. Tell a friend. You're like, hey, I know a couple of funny people that talk shit on microphones. Do you like to hear funny people talk shit on microphones? In that case, this is for you. Um, <laughs> they're, they're also very attractive. Very attractive people. <laughs> and if you see guest hosts in the description, skip it. No, don't, don't, don't skip, don't skip, skip it. <laughs> don't Listen. skip it. Don't it's skip it. Don't skip it. They're good. I'm being yeah. cyber bully. I don't. I, it. I mean, you can have your favorites, but still give us a listen. <laughs> nice. Chelsea. I love you. I love you. I love talking to you. We're going to have more fun. Uh, some people are saying it's spooky season. I respectfully disagree. I believe uh, June 21st begins the Halloween season. There are no essential holidays in between uh, June 21st and October 31st uh, that are worth recognizing. So I've got a head start on all you motherfuckers because the spooky never ends. Love that. All right. So in the meantime and in between time, everybody stay good, stay healthy, stay spooky. That's right.